Today's episode is brought to you by Pat Live. Did you know 76% of customers hang up if they don't reach a live person? And 85% of those customers won't call back after an unanswered call. Missed calls means missed opportunities to successfully grow your business. Pat Live offers 24-7 live answering services so you can spend less time on the phone and more time focusing on your business. You know, finding your frequency listeners, we've got to focus on those businesses. Unlike many other live answering service, they're open 365 days a year. Their friendly and professional agents are all located in the United States and provide all the benefits of a personal receptionist, but at a fraction of the cost. They offer fully customizable scripts and call handling experiences to fit your business needs and fit seamlessly with your brand. Pat Live is more than just an answering service. They offer everything from message taking, call screening and transfers, to lead collection, appointment scheduling, order processing, and more. And now, for a limited time, Pat Live is offering listeners of this podcast Finding Your Frequency 15% off the regularly listed rates. This is only available over the phone, so make sure you give them a call right now at 866-712-1879. Again, that's 866-712-1879. And mention the Finding Your Frequency podcast for more information or visit patlive.com. 15% off the regularly listed rates. Make every call count with Pat Live. 866-712-1879. This episode is brought to you by Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere with no hardware, just the smartphone you're already using. Tresta is the best business phone app on the market, whether you're freelancing, working remotely, or running a small business. Growing your network and your business is all about communication. You've got to be available no matter where you are. Tresta offers the call management features that empower you to communicate smarter and more efficiently like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online. Tresta's virtual phone system makes it easier and more affordable to set up a fully functioning mobile office. It's just $15 per user per month with no contract. So start your free 30-day trial today at Tresta.com frequency. That's www.tresta.com frequency. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. We're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. I want to welcome everybody into the program. You know, I love Finding Your Frequency because we always get the opportunity to talk to really good guests about really important things that matter. You know, in, in this time that we're going through of uncertainty and economic crisis, health crisis, all of those things, you know, there's, there's always challenges that arise in those particular scenarios and there's always, you know, uh, 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 somebody that's there to solve those challenges. Uh, 
And, you know, as you guys know, we always love to talk about technology and health and wellness and all that. So we're going to get the opportunity today to talk a little bit about both uh, with our fantastic guest. Today, we have Harry Glorickian on. He's an influential global business expert with more than three decades of experience building successful ventures in North America, Europe, Asia, and the rest of the world. He's well known for his achievements in Life, sciences, healthcare, diagnostics, healthcare, IT industry, and the convergence of those areas. Harry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So you're not only an entrepreneur, you're also, uh, you know, somebody who's uh, in the health and uh, health industry and, you know, working with a lot of uh, different technologies in the health and wellness industry, as well as, uh, you know, your business acumen in, in that world as well. So uh, please, as we, as we talk about what is finding your frequency, um, you know, we always like to find out, you know, how people found their frequency in life and in business and what drives them. So Harry, what, what, how did you find your frequency? Why do you do what you do? And how did you get there? Well, it's interesting. I'm, I, I always question whether I've actually found the final frequency. I'm, I feel like I'm still <laughs> on that journey. Um, but, uh, you know, what got me here was uh, starting out in biology like a long time ago. Um, and being very lucky, being at organizations that always seem to be on the cutting edge of some latest technology like when we you know one of the companies i worked at we were doing the human genome project mm -hmm. and so being in these situations where you're always on the bleeding edge um i don't know if that's just a natural draw or that i was lucky and i was just there but once you get on that roller coaster you really don't want to get off because it's an incredible high to be you know always pushing the envelope on where things are going and now I spend my time, you know, as a venture investor, looking at these technologies day in and day out um, and trying to predict where the future is going uh, in these areas. So what, where did you find a passion for, for that? Um, you know, was there a moment or an aha, something you were doing or, uh, or something that just, you decided, you know what, this, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go converge these, these components and, and, and work diligently to solve these problems. Well, I think, you know, I don't know if there was necessarily one moment. I think it was a series of moments that happened, which is interesting because I'm working on another book now and I'm trying to capture those series. Um, but it, it, it was, it's also my insatiable appetite to, to read many, many different subjects. And then somehow at some point your mind coalesces these ideas and you start to think of how using one thing in another area, using one thing from another area, putting them together and you get a new, you know, uh, explosion of an idea. Yeah. And, you know, you know, one example I can give you is, you know, when we were doing the genome, Intel had just released a new chip that had come out and that allowed our machine to run 72 hours unattended. And it was, it was interesting because that was the moment I said to myself, wait, it's not just us in life sciences that are doing something, but it's a combination of technology plus what we're doing that really makes the magic of the next phase. And I've been on that path ever since. Yeah, and I know that there's 
a whole lot of computing technology that has changed over the course of the years. And, you know, I think we're on the precipice of having something called quantum computing that will uh, really allow us to calculate data uh, and then, you know, couple coupling in that, you know, processing power with, uh, you know, technologies like blockchain and being able to keep track of, you know, data, you know, everything, anything. You could use blockchain to keep track of anything you want. Uh, and, and you know, marrying those together, just um, there's a lot of potential that's coming up in the future. It's an interesting time to live in. Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely very exciting. I mean, I think we have a while until we'll really see true quantum computing at the level that I think everybody is expecting. But even before that, um, if you look at technology and what's called edge computing, mm -hmm. where you'll be able to do AI sort of on your phone as opposed to it being done in the cloud, you, you will see certain advantages to this technology that will make, at least in my world, health and wellness, right? You'll make applications available that might not have been available, you know, 12 to 24 months ago. Uh, so I, I expect to see dramatic advancement in these areas. Yeah, I think the implications of artificial intelligence have, uh, you know, some some really good things and they also have some, you know, not so good things. I always I always think about, you know, how do you teach an AI things like empathy or, you know, uh, some some of the things that are standard human behaviors that, you know, even though logic dictates you would do a it's not in our human nature to do certain things. And, you know, um, that that's always been my thing with AI, you know, and of course, I always go back to, uh, you know, watching the Terminator or something like that and, and not wanting yeah. Skynet. But, you know, like who tells the AI what's right and wrong, you know, so that way they don't turn on us later. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, I think like the, the levels of people expecting like, you know, commander data from Star Trek or so forth. There's, you know, that that we're not we're not close to that. Right. And, and if we did, I'd be a little concerned. But <laughs> but if but if you take, you know, um, this thing called narrow AI, which is it just does one thing really, really well, like mm -hmm. maybe look at an image and identify it. Um, it can make a doctor's life so much easier because it can see something that they might not have seen or highlight something yeah. that they may not have highlighted or um, there's a hundred scans and the AI says, no, you got to look at scan 98 first because that person has, you know, a bleed in their head and you need to manage it right now. Um, those are the advantages of sort of technologies that can make a difference or it's taking your heartbeat all the time and it notices that something is off and sort of highlights it so that you pick it up, right? It's sort of there as an assistant as opposed to something that's gonna take the place of or something that's gonna make the sole decision for you. Right, right. Yeah, you know, uh, I did an interview. I think it was last year, and I can't remember the doctor's name, but um, he was a, a skin doctor, right? Who diagnoses all kinds of different melanoma and such in the skin. And so he had developed um, a, a, a mobile application that would allow you to take a photo of your skin blemish, um, whatever it yep. was, right? That gets uploaded into the cloud, and then you know, ten to twelve seconds, the AI would come back and say, "Hey, um, this is no big deal. It's we think." 
think it's this or this or this or oh my gosh that's really bad you you know those are you know beginning signs of cancer or whatever it may be um which was a a huge deal a, a huge game changer for his particular industry because now he's able to provide actually a free application that allows people to kind of self-diagnose something that's happening but you know also uh immediately be able to make an appointment with a leading edge doctor in that area um, to be able to find out what is the best treatment for what the AI thinks is, you know, this diagnosis. And so um, it, it was able to advance his practice like 110% over the course of the first two years that they had delivered the application. And, you know, I think in 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 regards to what you just said with kind of you know not having a broad swath of ai but narrowing it down to the specific tasks uh you know those are the kind of things and an example and i I love talking about those what what are some things that you guys are currently working on in the space of technology and ai that you know you feel are really bleeding edge well there's a lot of interesting things happening like i mean there's a woman here at mit that's working on a, a system to look at breast cancer where she can through using that system can actually see the onset of the cancer five years before that you would normally catch it right so you can imagine that that has a dramatic impact on how well we can manage the patient because when we can catch something early we're very good at at dealing with it it's when we catch it late that we end up having these problems or there are certain applications uh one of them is called cardiogram that Mm. is sits on your apple phone and apple watch where it's monitoring your heartbeat and that's the only thing it's looking at but it's able to identify um pretty accurately that you may have either an arrhythmia or that you have sleep apnea or that you're pre-diabetic Uh, and you still should go get it validated by your doctor, Mm -hmm. but it's an early warning signal that maybe you might want to make a course correction (laughs) before it goes the wrong direction, right? And so you can imagine if if all of a sudden I can let everybody know that there's a problem and they have a way of maybe delaying that problem for three to five years Mm -hmm. and not go on medication and not have other problems, that's a huge cost savings for the system but it's also quality of life for these individuals that don't have to get sick before they really like their body progresses to that level. Yeah. Yeah. So good to have some kind of an early warning system, you know, to, to, to go in place. I actually, I had a doctor's appointment this morning, right? Cause I, we're all doing telemedicine because of COVID-19. Uh, yep. I was, I was running, uh, on, on, I was running a little bit behind this morning. I've been commuting from my home to the studio here in our facility in Phoenix uh, because the only people that are here are uh, myself doing interviews and training for uh, hosts and radio personalities, which is one of my primary uh, uh, functions is is doing some training for them Uh, and our audio engineers who are the ones, you know, pushing all the buttons, sliding all the knobs and connecting people from various locations around the country for their live radio shows. And, um, I always sit around and I think like just the way things have already changed and, you know, not being able to physically see my doctor. And, you know, even though I was running late, I was 
I was going to be here in my office to do the telemedicine visit and I was going to be about five minutes late for my doctor's appointment. So I was literally able to pull over on the side of the road in a, like a side street, take out my phone, dial right into a zoom, right? Where there I'm sitting in the car with my doctor. Um, her and I had our, our visit and, you know, chatted about things and my, you know, well man's yearly thing that we're talking about and blood work and all that. And, you know, then we get off the phone and then I get a phone call two seconds later, literally two seconds after I got off the, the telemedicine call from our uh, uh, company that does the uh, uh, prescriptions for us. So she digitally transferred all of that off of a telemedicine call directly to the pharmacy who called me within two minutes and said, hey, um, I wanna confirm that you want A, B, C, and D. It's gonna cost this much money. Uh, use the card on file and we'll have all of your prescriptions delivered to your house today today and i was just like this is awesome <laughs> yeah 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 actually it was just i gave a i gave a talk last night uh on telemedicine um and we were talking about the pros and the cons and you know uh, it's gone a little bit too far to the you know one end like you can you know you can use facetime or whatever to talk to a patient which is not ideal right because it's not secure or um HIPAA compliant. And some of the other things you want is you want all the patient's records, right? Before you talk to the patient. So that's, that's it. But this is going to change all sorts of stuff, right? For patients, for elderly patients. So there's going to be a difference between, Hey, what can we do via telemedicine, right? Where I just need to check in with you, see how things are going, maybe update your prescriptions or whatever. And then there's going to be well, no, but I really need to see this patient because they have asthma and I need to test their breathing or something like that. And so I think you're going to see, you know, I've heard as much as uh, doctors saying 50% of their ongoing uh, appointments are going to be telemedicine versus in-person medicine. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I also you know, taking that, that idea, even a step further, you have, um, have you ever heard of a co-working space? Yes. Okay. So imagine now a doctor doesn't need to have, you know, five exam rooms. He needs one or two exam rooms and is able to, you know, have a, a smaller footprint to reduce his overhead for his practice. Or maybe you'll start seeing, you know, doctor's offices in the manner where you have five, six, seven, eight different practices in one location with shared space as it relates to, you know, uh, the, the, the doctor rooms that they see patients in and there being a substantial ability to bring down that, that overhead and possibly bring down the cost of the overall healthcare, leveraging technology for the entire industry, you know, making insurance rates more affordable for the average person because of the use of those technologies spread across, um, you know, multiple variants in, in the, in the industry. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, you know, we were talking about it last night in reality, you know, that doctor that you talk to doesn't even need to be local, right? Right. They could be anywhere in the country. Um, and so your doctor is now not competing with just the guy in the five mile radius. Your doctor is competing with somebody, everybody across the country. So everybody's got to sort of mm -hmm. raise the game uh, to a certain degree. So I think you'll see a, a, a interesting dynamics that will happen as long as they don't try to put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> right. Uh, 
which some people will try to do. Yeah, right? but I think it's out. Like, you know, uh, corporations have, I'll give you an example. My neighbor works for Intel, right? Intel here in Phoenix, they have a campus that houses 41,000 employees, right? How much is their overhead to operate that facility for 43,000 employees? If you were, oh, able, yeah. yeah, if you were able to reduce that by half, right and have your only essential people who are you know actually making chips who have to be in the factory to make the intel chips you know versus support staff or sales or you know customer service or human resources or any of those things and they're no longer have to be at the building then you know i, I see the costs of lots of things becoming decreasingly less over time due to the technology yeah, there's a good part of that and a bad part of well, that, right? Except for the greed, right? Greed's going to get in the way too, and capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 uh, but I've heard of you know I know companies right now that are saying like they're not going to send their employees back until next March. The the non-essential, the essential ones will be in the labs doing the work. The non-essential ones will. So if if we send them back in September, and then in October flu season starts again, and COVID spikes, that's not good. Right, so why don't we keep all of our employees working from home until next March, and sort of not worry about this thing at all, or decrease the opportunity for it to affect the company? Well, yeah. So you're seeing a big shift in that. Yeah, I think you also as an as a, you know, I mean, I know you you you've run companies. You look at all the the, the numbers on certain things, and you know, you want you look at productivity as as an example mm -hmm. for employees. And I think you have some C-level uh, executives that are running companies that are concerned that uh, if my workforce is at home, are they still as productive um, or, or are they going to be more productive? And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the individual, right? Uh, and, and their yes. particular work ethic. But I think, you know, um, if you if you go through the motions and you're coming to work and you're being semi-productive, I think some of those people who are fall in that category may become less productive um, at home and they'll be seen for what sh what could have taken a longer time for an employer to see with them being in the facility um, and being able to make decisions about personnel quicker, uh, knowing that these folks are actually uh, being productive or not being productive by measuring. I mean, customer service, like how many inbound calls are you taking and yeah, you know, how many exactly. tickets are you, you know, expiring uh, and being able to weigh that out. And, and I think that's also going to cause a little bit of, uh, you know, jockeying for position in, in, in for the employer, uh, for the employee as well, you know, thinking like, hey, I better step up my game because, you know, Joe, the same customer service representative that's in my group is you know uh he's 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 you know closing these tickets and fixing these problems at a 20 percent higher rate than i am i better get my game up <laughs> yep as long as the information is visible and people can sort of manage appropriately i think yeah. you know you'll see a shift of you know i think first of all there's a lot of people that aren't used to working from home and they're going to have to get used to that and then then they have the opportunity to sort of change their game right um but i think everything is right now in flux i mean healthcare is in flux education is in flux i mean all these areas are sort yeah, of yeah um you know some people are doing it well and some people aren't doing it well at all uh but uh it's uh it's an interesting dynamic but i can tell you from from healthcare i've never seen such a level of people trying to share information and trying to move the ball forward to come up with ways of beating COVID, either from a diagnostic, 
or from a therapeutic or just sharing information openly so that everybody is sort of at least as far along as they could be. Uh, If there's any positive outcome of this, you know, that will be one of them. You know, we've been kind of talking about the impact and and technologies had uh, in general on healthcare. And then of course, during this, this COVID crisis, uh, I, I always have this question, um, and maybe it's something that you've thought about too, but let's say in the next several months, year, whatever it is, um, they, they find some kind of a vaccine for the coronavirus. So then, you know, we were able to, you know, not be so scared. Um, do you think that it's ever possible that there could be mandatory vaccines for something? Cause I'm so weird about like, what am I putting in my body? Who makes it like, was there a further agenda on it? Um, you know, so what's your take on that space? I know it's kind of a getting off a little into the weeds out of the technology and business part, but something I, I I've had always wanted to talk to a thought leader in, in, in technology and, and healthcare about. No, I mean, if you, you know, if you look at the diseases we've managed and that we've decreased and or eradicated like polio, um, those are all comes from vaccinations, right? Um, and at some point, you know, if somebody says, fine, I'm happy being infected with COVID and then steps into an old age home and wipes out a whole group of people, at some point, everybody sort of has to step up and be responsible, right? Yeah. Um, right. I mean, if you want to sit in your own house and drink yourself to death, that's your problem. But if you're gonna catch a disease that's communicable and spread it to everybody else, then it's not just your problem, it's everybody's problem. So sort of everybody's gotta step up and be responsible and and get vaccinated, Um, especially with something like this, because this is not your run of the mill virus. I mean, you're seeing people die of stroke, um, heart issues, Uh, that are having uh, blood clots, Uh, then they're having respiratory issues. I mean, this thing seems to be attacking all sorts of different organs. So it's not just like a flu and it goes away. Um, Because if you don't want to vaccinate yourself for the flu, okay, fine. But this thing seems to have a much more, a much larger impact. Mm. And therefore, I think if there was some way to protect everybody against it, Mandatory is a harsh word, but I think people should step up and do what they need to do. Yeah. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, for sure. And I'm I'm one of the people that I I don't I never got vaccinated for the flu ever. And then of course then I'm not getting the flu either. <laughs> uh, but maybe Well, that's, you know, some of that is is luck because if you look at it, I mean, in the United States alone, we'll lose 35 to 50,000 people a year to the flu, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's not just little kids or older people. You lose people of, of you know, 20s and yeah. 30s. Is there a such thing as a like an asymptomatic carrier, like somebody who has COVID, but they show zero signs? Yes, that's been the biggest problem with this is you, you know, you, there's been data that's shown like you might carry it up to two weeks. Mm-hmm no symptoms and be spreading it to everybody around you. That's why it's been so hard to like clamp this thing down. Do people, do, um, do people build up antibodies to um, the virus, even if they're asymptomatic? Like, 
you know, like you you have so we're, like you have COVID, but you have no no um, no adverse effects. You have you're not coughing, you're not you know having any of those things. Does your body still create antibodies so you can be tested for if you have had it with those antibody tests? Yes. Well, the <clears throat> right now the problem with the antibody tests is the last report I saw was like three out of fourteen really worked well. Right <laughs> and <of> the <laughs> yeah. So, you know, 11 of them didn't actually, you know, do what you needed them to do. So great. You took the test. And it's yeah. no good. Um, but uh, right now, what I've been reading is the antibody titers or, or reaction that people are having where there's such a low level of antibodies in the blood that people are sort of scratching their head and wondering why there isn't a stronger response against mm -hmm. this, um, which, you know, makes me a little nervous about the vaccines that they're working on because um, sometimes we you know can't make a vaccine to everything um, there are some good antibody based therapies that look like they're coming forward and then there was some good news yesterday with the uh, Gilead drug that it seemed to uh, speed up recovery for those people that are in the hospital with with COVID yeah I talk about the antibodies thing just because my wife, my daughter and myself all got like crazy sick. Like, I don't know, it was in the first, it was like the third week of January, I believe it was, it was. And we were sick until, you know, the first, second week of February, it was bad. And um, I had got, we all got tested for the flu too, when we went to, uh, to get tested and we and were all negative. all negative. And so yeah. in my mind, I'm like, I think, I think that, I think that thing may have gone through my house. I'm not sure. Um, but then again, like my health insurance will not pay for me to go get a test to see if I have antibodies. And then of course, if there's 14 of them and 11 of them don't work, then, you know, that's probably why my health insurance company doesn't want to pay for it. Cause they don't know if it works or not. <laughs> Well, now you're starting to see, I think now because that the testing is more broadly available, you're seeing places like, I think California was like, look, we're just gonna test everybody for free, right? If, you're, if you come up and you wanna be tested, we'll test you sort of thing. And you know, that's a good way to know whether you had it or you don't. The, the big question right now is, you know, typically what happens is you gain immunity, which means you won't get it again. But there's some questions out there right now of whether you actually do develop full immunity against COVID or not, or can you get it again? And, yeah, that's and, the scary part is if, if, you, if you've got it, do you have enough antibodies to fight it off so you don't get it again? Yeah, that, and there's not enough data to know about any of that. No, that, no, we're still gathering a lot of data right now. That's why I think you're seeing anybody that's understands this sort of being very cautious about what they say because you can't just put a stake in the ground yet. I'd love to, love <laughs> yeah. to put a stake in the ground, but you know, <laughs> it, it, you know, you don't want to lie to people. You want to be no. as, as truthful and honest as you can be. And sometimes the truth is I'm just not sure yet. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think sometimes it's better to be honest and just say, I don't know, rather than try to, you know, shed, shed light on something you, you, you don't know about. I think that's, happens a lot in the media happens a lot in the scientific and community it happens a lot in the technology community <laughs> yeah yeah no no i have no problems telling somebody i don't know but i can get back to you so what are the benefits of uh of the rapid sequencing of the coronavirus like why is that a big deal well so if you, if you think about it right um let's go back to something like sars when it came out right it it took 
almost four months to get the full sequence. And then once you got the sequence, you can start to think about how do I build therapies against it? What does this beast look like, et cetera, right? And you can track it because you've got the sequence. Uh, for coronavirus, we did that or they did that in about, I think it was three or four days. Mm -hmm. So you can see three or four months versus three or four days. And three or four days later, you know, people and, and actually once they had the sequence and they published it, I think the first company to start making a therapy made the first sort of experimental therapy three or four days after that. So the technology has dramatically shifted in how quickly we can get to what we need to do next. And the faster it moves, the faster we can react to, you know, manage a disease. I mean, you can you imagine had we gotten this, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, no, no. I mean, there there's just wasn't enough computing power to be able to compute, uh, you know, possible scenarios and uh, and those types of things. Because I know computer modeling helps to predict a, a whole bunch of different things, you know, from the spread and, you know, contact tracing and, you know, all of those things can all be, uh, you know, plugged into, into computer applications and tracked and, you know, uh, adding the power of the cloud into that and being able to, you know, what, what I like to call daisy chain the servers together and make them one one fast giant uh, you know computing engine has been probably really helpful I mean that's basically what big data is right I mean we've been doing big data and you know Google and Facebook and lots of people have been collecting all of this data on everybody for a long time anyway so there's uh, you know definitely you know experts in that field of big data that could be applied to the pandemic and coronavirus and, and anything health related in the future as well yeah, like one of the guys that I interviewed for, uh, you know, uh, my podcast was, you know, they they were able to do six million variations of an antibody uh, with their computing systems to start to identify the first ones they would test as a therapy, and they did that in two months. Wow! Right, and I mean, people don't. It's hard for people to imagine what it takes to do that, but. If you had just gone back, you know, five years, I, you couldn't have done what they've been able to do, right? So it's technology and the understanding of the biology has made a huge difference in how quickly we're able to sort of attack these issues. And you asked me, like, why am I in this area? When you're dealing with stuff like this and you're, you're, you're learning about these capabilities and what these things can do, I mean, there are days where I'm like, we can actually do that because I learned something new and I'm like, no, I'm like, it's fascination. It's, it's like a kid in a candy store every day. Right. Yeah. I always think to myself, I'm like, why wouldn't everybody want to be in healthcare? It's amazing. <laughs> Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website on schedule delivery. 
One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four cents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. So I got the privilege to go to uh, SAP Sapphire last year, right, which is their huge event. They descend upon the Orlando Convention Center in, in, uh, uh, or the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando. And, you know, just a huge, you know, anything technology you can think of, healthcare, every different whatever. And, man, I was just so impressed. I walked into the Leonardo booth, which is their AI engine, right? And I, and I, I was sitting there having this, conversation about life with an AI at the at the event and I was just just like you I was like oh my god this is really possible I I feel like I'm literally standing inside of an episode of Star Trek you know and you know where they can say hey computer go do these things for me you know and and the I I did I felt giddy like a kid because I just love technology I love technology and also applying technology to the idea of technology furthering the human potential on you know how we can be better variants of ourselves with leveraging these new technologies um you know because I think uh, you know, we've we've made cars and planes and trains and, you know, all of these different things uh, which are part of the human potential. But as technology increases to such a level, I just am excited about where does that uh, human potential go? How how much potential do we have? How far can we go? Well, I think it it it, it acts as an assistant or an ability to do more than you might be able to do on your own. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the best examples are where the machine and the human are, are working together to sort of drive that next level. Um, but you're, you're, you're going to see so much of it in healthcare. Um, you're going to see it show up at your local CVS. You're going to see it show up at home. I mean, you're going to be able to do things in the next five to 10 years that I think are going to boggle people's minds. Um, and it's going to move from instead of managing you when you're sick, we're going to be able to sort of keep you healthy longer 
by identifying things earlier and sort of helping you <laughs> manage a- accordingly, right? Yeah. And if you don't want to manage, you know, whatever, that's your choice. But if you don't know, you can't do anything about it. And, and you know, knowledge is power. Yeah. So, um, and I, I try to capture all that, you know, in in my books and my writing and my talks and everything like that. But it's it's uh, it's so much fun. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I again, you just you just think about the potential that there is out there and and what can be accomplished and what will be accomplished. You said CVS. I'm. I had this. I had this thought in my head. Like they have what is it called? It's I think it's called Minute Clinic, right? You could go there to go get checked out. And then so um, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Like I just finished watching the the Picard series that was on CBS. All all oh, about. I all, watch that. It's all about Commander Data, dude. It's amazing. Um, it's 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 literally. A whole story of AI, right, and and artificial intelligence and uh, synthetic beings, you know. So, like, yeah, go definitely watch it if you like Star Trek. That if it, it makes you feel like next next generation all over again, uh, it's really good. But you know, like walking into a CVS, right, and you know, it's you know, get your blood pressure. They pump you up and do that, and you know, mad, having a you know a, a pulse oximeter on your finger that does all of that at the same time, right? And 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 gives readouts of data versus just your O2 levels and your and your and beats per minute on your heart. Like being able to, you know, really have a comprehensive set of data or even being able to just prick your finger to get a sample of blood and being able to run an entire lab result uh, you know, right there in the doctor's office without having to, you know, hey, go over here and get your blood drawn for this and go over here for that and go over there for that and being able to centralize that with your primary care provider um you know when you do have to go and actually have a a visit well if you think about it right cvs and aetna just did a deal and they merged right so an insurance company and a pharmacy and so in reality what they want to do is they'd love to manage you at these regional clinics so that they can keep you healthy and you don't end up going to a hospital system Right, because every time you go to the hospital system, Aetna pays. Yeah, more, way more money out. Correct, and if they keep you healthy, you're paying your premium every month, right? It's it's a fantastic model if they can pull it off. It's all gonna be in the execution. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you talk about going to, to that minute clinic and doing all those tests. There are technologies now that you can do a lot of these things at home. You can monitor your blood pressure, you can do your pulse ox, you can do all this stuff, and it's all wirelessly connected, right? And so you can see how technology is sort of going to that next level of helping you monitor your health. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what would you do without the dashboard on your car? Yeah, no, you you bring up a a great point, and you know, I refer back to my doctor's meeting that I had today. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm 40, and so my I, you know I'm 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 at the beginning of my middle age, and so my doctor says, hey, um, you know, I need you to go do this blood work. I need you to go do this, and you know, she asked me if I had a pulse oximeter at the house, and I actually do because when this whole coronavirus thing started, and I started hearing about you know people having breathing problems and all that, I'm like, well, what better way to keep track of yourself if in the event that you do get sick you have a pulse oximeter so you can literally see how much oxygen you have in your lungs versus how bad much pain or how you 
feel right and, and right. give yourself some actual data or peace of mind that yeah i feel really bad but well my o2 is at 90 so i'm not gonna die <laughs> um but that's one of the things she asked me to do she said you know i need you to keep track of your your pulse if you could give me you know a readout of like what's your pulse when you wake up in the morning what is your pulse in midway through the day and what is your pulse at the end of the day um and and i was just like wow it'd be really cool if there was just a you know a device like my smartwatch that's already measuring my beats per minute and just being able to just send that to the doctor's office and and they have access to that uh, okay apple watch fitbit any of these things yep. right that that do this that have an app connected to it will do that for you i mean I walk into my doctor and I'm like, hey doc, here's what my blood pressure looked like over the last, you know, year. Here's what my, you know, my <laughs> pulse looked like. Oh, by the way, I took my EKG with my watch and it looks like this. And he looks at it and he's like, that's awesome. I, he can see it for a whole year, right? That's why I he have this thing. He still has to take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he still has to take it at the visit because that's how they get paid. Yeah, but now you give him all the data. Correct. Now, so you will see you will see a wholesale, I think, a change in in that. I mean, you can you can imagine a day where the data is coming in and the system will highlight when there's a problem to somebody sitting there, right? Sort of, sort almost like a central command center. Yes. To know that someone is having an issue. So I talk about these subjects with some high level technology experts. I'm working with this really cool company called Yash Technologies and then another company called C5MI. And so they're all about this idea of the factory of the future, you know, uh, industry 4.0, right? Because you have all of this stuff that's happening. How do we bring manufacturing back to the United States and then leverage technology, big data, robotics, process automation, and all of those types of things to severely reduce the overhead of labor to be able to compete with the, you know, the Chinas of the world who have very low labor costs to be able to produce items. And so when you think about that whole, you know, dashboard or central command or whatever the case, that's how these guys are talking about running entire factories who make cars or who, um, you know, have, uh, you know, whatever it is, maybe it's a company that uh, has an assembly line for putting together uh, Inspiral alcohol that gets shipped and delivered to CVS and, and being able to manage the systems and components of that, you know, from the comfort of your own home with this dashboard where you can see what all your machines are doing, what all your robots are doing, how much productivity you're creating, you know, and applying that type of idea to the healthcare industry, right, where they're getting all of these streams of data from people's smartwatches and they're there all the time and AI can go, oh, hey, wait a minute. Hey, this this stream of data that's coming through doesn't look right. We need to contact this patient right away. You know, um, well, th those I mean, things fascinate like me. me. You know, none of the doctors are going to like me saying this, but imagine right now that the rules don't go back to the way they were in telemedicine. So now you put a facility in Arizona, right? You put a bunch of docs in there, and they're able to manage and talk to patients all over the country from a central command center. Or, you know, one of the other areas, which is, you know, due for some overhauls is, is this area called pathology, which is where you take, you know, a piece of tissue uh, or a sample from someone. And now that image goes to a central facility where you've got a bunch of pathologists that can look at it and get back to you with an answer immediately. Yeah. Right. So, so technology is going to cause a change in this. Um, 
I mean, if you can image something, uh, AI and ML do an incredible job of combing through it. Uh, I mean, we still have to go through application by application, but you're seeing it move, you know, very fast. Yeah, you envision, uh, <laughs> go to your local gas station and there's a, you know, a pod there, right? Uh, all over, you go, that pod can take your x-rays, do your MRI, you know, send all that data to your doctor. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that far. I might, I might say that you would go into a minute clinic. Um, you know, there are systems that will uh, take an image of your eye, uh, be able to give you some, you know, uh, look at that image and be able to diagnose you, say for a diabetic retinopathy uh, and if there was an issue, then all of a sudden, you know, they'll be like, oh, can you please step over here? Um, you know, the doctor would like to see you on the video screen and talk to you about your results. And so I just went from a test to seeing a physician to them, them Get, helping me manage treatment. my health better. Right. All in one, all in one fell swoop. Right. That's that's almost like like I said earlier, that's almost like what happened to me today. Other than I, I had a doctor's appointment, we talked and she's like, OK, boom. And two minutes later, there's my prescriptions can be delivered today. So I have my treatment, uh, you know, for, I got in a car accident last week on Tuesday. So that's that's part of some of my oh, challenges I've been dealing with. Sorry to hear that. You know, and, you know, you know, uh, and I, I'm like, I don't need pain medication, but if, like I'm like, I need something to loosen this thing up. So she gives me some, you know, prescription for muscle relaxers and um, a, a, a sleep aid to help me get some more extra rest and you know um and then here i am now having treatment for this accident that i was in coupled with um you know i'm now going to be starting to do some yoga poses and that kind of fun stuff oh, yeah. to help with the back and then go see the chiropractor a couple times a week but i was able to do all of that uh, you know in a span of you know two minutes i called the joint which is like a chain chiropractic place that i was able to you know uh, set up a, a subscription uh, chiropractic visits where I can go as many times as I want in a month for $65, you know? And so some of those things that are so new with subscriptions and stuff like that for those have also been really helpful um, from, from a, a, uh, you know, from an industry methodology way or the, or a, from a business model perspective of, you know, some of those things changing as well. You know, I, I could see subscription based healthcare being something if technology would allow it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the only thing I always caution people about is, is, you know, there there should be a healthcare professional involved. You, you know, people should be get the right advice. Um, doing thing outside of the, you know, getting the right advice is always a little sketchy. Um, you know, there's a lot. You know, snake oil has been around for a long time. Uh, and so you always want to be careful what you hear from either your friends or people that you know and. Uh, most of the time, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah, no, and I think that's what's so cool about technology is you 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 can get a lot easier unfettered access to proper professionals to be able to give you a treatment or diagnosis. And you know, Correct. I just I just know that healthcare is so expensive. Like like healthcare insurance premiums are so expensive, right? Um, I have I have a family, um, my um, just me, my wife, and our daughter, and our healthcare is you know thousand bucks a month or whatever it is, $800 a month for our family. Um, and 
I would love to see something in the neighborhood of being able to leverage technology to be able to have companies and, and, and hospitals and all of those things be able to reduce their overhead to make healthcare a more manageable cost, but still keep it private, um, you know, because then you have to have uh, competition in order for capitalism to take hold. And so, um, you know, I'd love to see like, oh, hey, you know, our technology is so great on being able to diagnose and so efficient and being able to talk to a proper doctor that, you know, you're no longer having these huge fees. You're having a, you know, a 149.99 a month that covers your whole family to be able to talk to a doctor anytime you need to kind of thing. Uh, there have been tries, you know, in down that path by, by different, uh, you know, uh, groups, uh, the system sort of resistant to that. Right. Um, I mean, if you've got a good gig, why ruin it? Um, <laughs> But, uh, and I would tell you that, you know, there is this concept, people talk about competition, but truly in healthcare, it's not a competitive, it's not really competitive, right? If you get hit by a car at the hospital down the street, that's where you're going. Um, you know, even if you negotiate something with a hospital and uh, all of a sudden that doctor didn't show up, a new doctor shows up, up, that's not what we negotiated. So there's, it's not as competitive, it's not competitive at all. It actually it, does require it would be from some the, pressure. Maybe primary care perspective, there could be some competition, right? With the new telemedicine, talk about that earlier because now you have there some, could, if, yeah. if, if that system shift, then you could start to see how you could change that to a certain degree. Um, I would tell you though, like I know people, there's a lot of people that, that don't like the Affordable Care Act, right? I, I'm not sure that people have actually read the affordable care like you know you could say oh i don't like that book but if you haven't read the book like it's really like you may not understand what's written in the book and part of the book is you know we should pay for positive outcomes we shouldn't pay for negative outcomes and when i say that to people i'm like they actually want you know you want to pay for a product that works right as opposed to one that doesn't work because the old healthcare system is I get paid for everything. Everything I do, I get paid for. Whether it turns out right or whether it turns out wrong, I get paid. Under the Affordable Care Act, it's more, you know, there's a part of it, not all of it, mind you, but part of it that says we should be paying for positive outcomes. And so if, in other words, imagine this, right? You buy a car, it breaks down, there's a lemon law, you get to take it back, right? you get to shop around for the best care to get the best outcome. Yeah. And so imagine that from now on, you're going to start getting the best outcomes. And some examples I can give you is like, there's a system in Western Pennsylvania called Geisinger, which is a large healthcare system. They have a money back guarantee on surgery. That's wonderful. Right. But, but why? Because they basically drove down the defects per part, right? And once it got so low, the CFO was like, hey, we can offer people money back guarantees. This is a great selling point. Yeah, I, if you can get medicine to the to the fact of medicine and not the practice of medicine, um, then that makes you have the ability to do something like that. But it's, you know, if a whole system like that can do it, that's tens of thousands of patients. Yeah. Right? Uh, so it's possible, and especially with the use of technology where you can, you know, I always say to people, if you're not measuring it, you can't improve it. 
Harry, you're 100% correct. And I want to thank you for joining us on Finding a Frequency today and, and taking time out of your day to uh, share with us, you know, all this information about some coronavirus components, big data technology, and how it all relates to the healthcare. I really appreciate you being on. Uh, I want to remind the listeners uh, to go get your book, uh, right? Moneyball Medicine, Thriving in the New Digital Driven Healthcare Market. Uh, where where can people find the book and find out more information about you, Harry? A- Amazon is is where uh, it's, it should be easy to find on Amazon. Uh, you know, uh, if they just type in Moneyball Medicine, it should come up. Um, and uh, they can, you know, find my website. Uh, you know, it's my, I won't even, mylastname.com is, is, uh, what it is but uh if, if they just google moneyball medicine they should be able to find it yeah, quite so easily it's, and it's i appreciate it harry glorakian so that's h-a-r-r-y-g-l-o-r-i-k-i-a-n.com correct you guys go check thank that you website so much out. Harry, what a pleasure, man. We might have to do another interview because I would love to uh, put you in a room with the person at SAP who does AI and let's have a conversation about some of that stuff. That actually is, is, is that subject is going to be in my next book. Okay. Is trying to combine those two. Yeah, I would love, I, 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 um, I, I, I produce a show called Technology Revolution, The Future of Now. It's a wonderful show. We always do um, technology-based topics with a panel. So I'm going to introduce you to Bonnie D. Graham, who's the host of that show. I think you guys should put together a panel around this type of discussion and really have some uh, other thought leaders in the space and, and, and get a little nitty-gritty on the tech, man. I think that'd be great. That would be wonderful. I, I would appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, listening to voiceamerica.com, finding your frequency talk radio show. Make sure you guys check back every Friday at noon as we're always dropping episodes uh, on on those days. And then also throughout the week, sometimes we have some mini episodes that we drop. We call those mini-sodes. So make sure to go check this out. Follow us at Voice America TRN. I'm at Radio Ryan One. And of course, you can check out the website, findingyourfrequency.net. Again, thank you guys. Harry, appreciate you man you're awesome thank you for being on ladies and gentlemen we'll talk to you next time right here on finding your frequency on the voice america talk radio network